0: Hello and welcome to Self-Taught Devs. If this is your first time joining us, this is a podcast where two self-taught developers discuss the learning and growth experience for folks just getting into the industry. My name is Eric Winkelspect. And I'm Matt Ehrlich. Before we start today's conversation, we want to hear from you. We've got a bunch of ways you can interact with us. Number one, if you're listening on Spotify, which most of you are, there is a Q&A on each episode that you can respond to. And if you want to send us a note there, we'll talk about it on a future episode. You can also leave us a rating and review if you'd be so kind. On Apple Podcasts, you're able to write a written review like this one. Five stars from FatMC84. Very relatable. I have been on this learning journey for a few months and came across this podcast. These guys are real and transparent about their struggles. They have offered a lot of tips about how to get your name out there. The guests have also been super helpful. So thank you very much for that. Of course, we've got our LinkedIn. You can reach out to either of us individually on LinkedIn, or you can hit our self-taught devs LinkedIn page. You can find us on Patreon as well. We'll talk more about that at the end of the show. Matt, what are we going to talk about today?
1: Today, we are talking about getting better overall with hooting. And there's multiple ways that you can do this, but one of the the best parts about being or working in software is the constant improvement and the learning and the growth, right? A lot of other jobs or careers, sometimes things can get very stagnant, right? But when it comes to software, you kind of have to learn. And if you're not moving forward, you're kind of falling behind at some point. So it's very important to know what to improve or how to improve. And I have some thoughts on this uh, for myself, but Eric, what are some ways that you improve your code?
0: Yeah, I, well, I wrote down a number of things and I'm curious about your list as well. Cause I know we kind of just thought about this a little bit. Um, I would love to do just kind of a back and forth. Like I'll give a point, you give a point and we'll just kind of talk about some of those things a little bit. One of The things I kind of want to start with my really big one, because I think it makes a lot of difference when it talks about how you can really get better at code, regardless of what your chosen language and technology is. One of the biggest things I like to see people do to really try to improve, and you've heard me say this a number of times about like a weather app just isn't enough, is build a really big project, build and finish a really big project that is intended for use by real people and not intended just for your portfolio. So if I had to start with anything of like, if you want to take one thing away from me from this whole conversation, it's that. Yeah. The finishing could be hard sometimes,
1: especially mm-hmm. when you've been working on something for a few months. It's like, yeah, I know for me, like long-term projects, sometimes I just get to the point where I'm just like, I kind of just want to move on from this.
0: <laughs> yeah. And- yeah. Yeah. It's it's a weird struggle because like when you think about the job, you're probably going to be working on the same application for a really long time. You know, maybe you'll have the opportunity to build something new or maybe you'll have the opportunity to switch projects, but you'll be invested in one project for a very long period of time. And finishing something that's very big is very hard. But the reason why, you know, it's super important and it's also important to identify it as something for real people to use Is you take a lot of different things into consideration you know if you're doing something just for a portfolio project like are you going to have some kind of authentication maybe how is your like crud process going to work well maybe anybody can go in and just change anything but like that's not real world application you know you start to think about things a little bit differently and you start to solve for real problems that you would actually see on the job or in a real situation and those things will make you a better developer because you're solving for more challenging problems.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Being able to see something through uh, long term is very important. One of the points that I have is doing something that I'm actually interested in. Mm. There's so many technologies and languages and different things out there, and I know for me, if I'm not interested in learning a certain thing or I don't care, it's it's nearly impossible for me to do it. Especially for somebody like just beginning. That's why I think a lot of people really start with like, well, what are some things that you want to build? Like start there because it could get, we could get lost in the weeds of like, okay, well, what, what language should I learn or what framework Mm. should I be focusing on? And it's very important to start with like, well, what are you interested in doing? What, what sort of projects do you want to build? Because if you have that type of mindset where you need to be really engaged with something to learn. If you're learning about something that you don't care about, like just for the sake of learning, like that can be pretty difficult to keep track on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, I mean, I think that's a really good piece of advice for like the early learner in this process. You know, somebody who's just getting started with coding because when you're just getting started and you need to build your base, like if you start with something that you're totally not interested in, like, Web development is kind of a big starting point for a lot of folks who are just looking for something to get started. But if you don't have fun with web development, like you're not going to stick with it. So it might not be the right entry point for you. Right. But I I also counterpoint that a little bit in the long term of things, because once you're past that initial stage of learning and, you know, let's say you're in a professional environment, there are times you're going to be working on stuff you're not interested in, right, as severely as like what a personal project could be. So to go along with your advice uh, in a different perspective, I would say find the ways to be interested in what you're doing, right? Find the ways to enjoy your process. You know, I think at the heart of software engineering is problem solving with code, right? Whatever your technology is. And hopefully you enjoy that process just as a very baseline, like, step one of whatever you're doing, right? Enjoy the problem solving process, enjoy figuring things out. Uh, If you can find your ways to enjoy that, you're definitely going to stick with whatever you're doing and continue to improve on it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely super important for early learners because you're just learning or you might just be learning how you learn or how to learn technical things, right? And Mm -hmm. and in that early stage, it is it is very important to be engaged and like kind of excited. Eventually, there's a dip, right? where things just kind of the motivation is gone and you realize things are difficult, and you may not be as driven to keep pushing on, but especially in that early phase, like it's very important to be super interested in what
0: you're doing mm-hmm. yeah. I think one of my other points, which can be across this the spectrum here of like any level of 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 uh, efficiency or any level of coding knowledge is read the documentation, right? It's, it's a big one for number one, just getting better generally, but number two, getting better with whatever your chosen technology or library is, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, will tend to try to find some kind of other resource for some reason, right? Like we'll go to look for videos or someone else's maybe write up when we're trying to solve a problem, but in most cases, just buckling down and reading whatever the documentation is for your specific library is probably going to find you the answers. And you'll learn a lot more along the way about that technology as well, which just is going to make you a stronger developer.
1: I agree. But to add on to that, some documentation really sucks. Sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you kind of need that video of someone else explaining what's going mm-hmm. on. Like there's some really good documentation, like TypeScript's documentation for me. I thought it was yeah. very helpful, right? It, mm-hmm. It's kind of like a step-by-step walkthrough and it's very clear to read, but there's certain documentation that I read and I'm just like, I don't want to spend any more time reading this ever again. I'd rather bang my head against the wall. This is awful. Um, mm-hmm. So I agree. And there have been times where I've spent more time Looking through someone else's explanation or like a video on the thing, where if I would have just put like a small fraction of that time doing a search inside of some documentation, I would have gotten my answer. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. But man, yeah. some documentation is rough.
0: Some can be very bad. And I, you know, I haven't done this myself and I really should. But when you find that bad documentation, but you still manage to find the answer to your issue, maybe use the opportunity to update that documentation right? Submit a pull request or if it's open source, hopefully uh, go through and and see what you can do to update and help the community and help solve those problems for other people as well. Like that's probably something that's not done enough, Um, not to get on the topic of open source contributions, because I have a lot of conflicting opinions about open source contributions and especially when it comes to like getting started in tech. But yeah, it's a good opportunity to, to do that. And then you can have people review your suggestions or your, your pull requests for those things as well and get feedback. And that's always another way to get better as a developer, right? Yeah, absolutely. One thing, well,
1: another thing that I have is the small
0: improvements
1: over time. I mean, mm-hmm. we usually say the 1% improvement, but I don't know exactly how to quantify it, right? But just just the, the idea of making small improvements, especially early on when you don't know anything and you're reading a list of, let's say, skills that you need in order to get, I don't know, your first job. And you're just like, well, I don't know where to start. I don't know what's going on. Right. If you try to tackle all of that at once, it could be extremely difficult. And so just starting small and making small improvements and changes, and maybe even making multiple projects where you improve something else or make a small change or make a
0: small improvement, each project that could go a very long way for learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an awesome point. And I I think it's, something that people often lose along the way. And I'm I'm sure I did a number of times too, when you're like trying to find your way through like the starting process of learning and then eventually trying to find a job. Um, Those job posts are very overwhelming and they make you feel like you need to know everything. It's kind of crazy, but striving for those small improvements is definitely the best way to get to know everything. Over time, right? No one's going to know everything ever, right? So that's a kind of a bad statement. But uh, the, you'll know more over time with just continued practice and patience with what you do. But yeah, man, that's that's a tremendous one. I, I'm curious, though, to try to help people get a better understanding of what small improvements really means, right? Because I know we've said that a number of times, and like the 1%, I have a hard time defining that too. But can we try as a thought experiment? Like maybe from our own experience, I I can say, I can speak to what it feels like when it comes to making small improvements with stuff. Because for me, the thing I've recognized the most when it comes to like the 1% improvement or or small improvements to eventually mastering a a thing or becoming really comfortable with the technology is it is small, um, consistent periods of practice over a longer period of time. And the more you do that kind of thing, the easier it gets to pick things up a little more quickly. So like for me, when I'm first using a new library, let's say, or a new technology, I it's not enough for me to just be like, I'm gonna use this and try to build something. I need a specific problem that I'm going to solve. And the first day, maybe two days, maybe more sometimes, is really where the struggle is in the whole process. But when you keep revisiting that topic and either like rereading or practicing or continuing to trying to problem solve after like the first day or two days things start to click a little bit more for me and that's the slow improvement process and then once i've solved the problem then it's like okay now i've gotten a better handle on those things i'm working with Um, and that process seems to just repeat itself every time i hit some kind of new technology or new library or whatever it's it's always the same process of like i know i need to spend a little more time and solve problems and go back and kind of review and revisit there's never any one thing that's just like immediately you're just going to pick it up so small improvements over time maybe in a smaller perspective right of how those things might work out for you in the grand scheme of things it's just that repetitively and you just kind of build up skills by doing that process with multiple things over and over and over again
1: yeah i think it's important that you mentioned that you kind of have to go through the same process every time. I know for me, like when I'm learning, there are certain patterns that repeat themselves. And when I try to force myself to learn in a different way, it just doesn't work out. So mm. with the small improvements, I, if I'm learning a new technology, I start with a very small, what I call like a throwaway project, right? It's like, it's not to show off anything. It's really like for the purpose of learning. So let's take, uh, for example, React. Like when I started, I was like, okay, I want to learn React. And I was very overwhelmed extremely quickly. And then eventually once I started to focus on really, really small parts of React, like props, I built an entire project, very small project, just to learn like what are props, like how are props passed, right? And then hooks, even that was too big. So I started with like Let's say learning use effect, I would build a really, really tiny project, like just so I can understand use effect or use state. And then, you know, doing that multiple times, eventually it would start to catch on and then I would understand. And that for me takes a very long time. It is not a Mm -hmm. quick process. It is always tedious, but for me, it's really one of the few things that actually work. And I know that I have to do it and that I have to set aside that extra time to
0: make those small incremental improvements. Yeah. That's excellent. Understanding the process is a big one, right? Like if you don't understand that you're going to have to go through this, some, like some kind of process like this and learning what your process is, you're going to (laughs) struggle. So understanding that it is a process. Uh, What else do you have on your list, Matt? I think being
1: around or being around people that are even one or two steps ahead of you or interacting with them or asking them questions, that really goes Mm -hmm. a long way, right? Especially if you have something very specific um, that you want to ask, sure, you could search on Google or go on chat or whatever. But if there's something that you were just really not understanding, sometimes all it takes is one person kind of explaining it to you and it'll click and you know, it can happen that quickly. That's happened with us before where I was working on a project and I'm like, man, I really just don't understand it. And you explained it in two minutes and I was like, oh, I get it now. This makes sense. And so just having that person that they don't even have to be like a senior, they could just be one, two, three steps ahead of you. Having that person to bounce ideas off of or ask questions or someone who's more experienced, that goes a long way in learning.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of people get into, well, I don't want to say a lot of, but I think a lot of self-taught developers get into the practice of this thing being a solo activity, you know, and it's it really shouldn't be i mean there are times for sure when it is but in order to improve and get different perspective you need to talk to people you need to get advice from other folks you know i know matt you said like maybe one two steps ahead ahead of where you're at right now which i think is really important to get you know someone else's perspective who has been there and can give you advice on things but even if folks are at the same level just talking about things and sometimes having a conversation about a problem can in your own mind trigger a different thought process or help you find answers that you didn't necessarily find before. So having any kind of community with this kind of stuff is super important. And it goes hand in hand with another point that I had too, which is uh, if you can find the time to do it, watching other developers in their process, I think is super helpful. You know, YouTube is a super easy access to this. We're like, People will do live coding stuff, which can be helpful, um, or they'll do like projects where they're like code alongs or whatever. And it's not something I would recommend you do to code along with somebody, but just like observing somebody's process about how they go through solving a problem and then even seeing some of the code that they write can expose you to different ideas and things you just might not have thought about before. And then you've got kind of different perspectives on things that you can utilize next time you face a problem.
1: Yeah, that's for sure, uh, especially when it's, uh, let's say, over a Zoom call or something. But I, I agree with you with uh, with the going along with things, especially on YouTube. I've realized when I've tried to, for learning purposes, try to like copy a project and go side by side with somebody who's creating one on YouTube, it just never works out. I never learn anything. I don't want to say it's a colossal
0: waste of time every single time. It but is. It to. is. Yeah. It yeah. it kind of is, right? Like We've talked about the learning process before, and things like that are... Uh, it gives you the illusion of learning. You know, when you follow along with someone else's process, it's not actually learning. You learn when you go out yourself and solve the problem. You know, through struggle, through trial and error, through whatever it has to be. When you solve that problem, that's you know you actually doing the process is making those connections in the brain of, of, of how those things are going to work out. And then the more you do that, those those connections get stronger, right? So if you're just following along with somebody. Just for the sake of building a project and try to walking like to walk away and be like, hey, look at the, this thing I made. If you go back and try to sit down and do that again yourself, maybe you'll get some of it, but a lot of it you're just going to be like, what did I do? How did this work? What was this thing? So, yeah, let's call it a colossal waste of time. Let's let's call it really what it is, right? And not not pull punches on that one.
1: Yeah, fair enough. One important point that I want to make is. Something that helped me out a lot is how I catalog or keep track of information or when I find an answer to a problem, I write it down because, and I know some folks have argued against this, but I'd like to push back on it. It's, you know, I've heard. Well, you don't have to take notes because you could always just search something. You you know, part of being a software engineer is knowing how to find the problem. But I say, especially on problems that took me a long time to solve and I had to do lots of searching, what I'll do is actually take physical notes and write down maybe the steps that I took to get the answer to that problem or like the answer itself. And that helps me because... I don't have to store that information in my head. I can say, okay, I got that answer. I put it on paper. Now I could focus on something else. Um, so that's something that helps me out a lot is keeping track of information that I've gathered all, already or problems that I've solved already. So that next time it's a lot quicker.
0: Yeah, I think that's super valuable. I I would also push back against people that say not to do that, right? It's, it's a weird thing for somebody to say, don't do that, uh, especially if it helps writing something down especially if you do it in your own words, right? Like that is super helpful for relearning or memorizing or whatever, like really solidifying what you did and what you're trying to understand. You know, like if you're just writing something down word for word that you found like on somebody's blog post or something, probably not as good, you know, but if you're writing down like, okay, I did this, then this and took these steps and it's in your own words, for sure, that's gonna be super helpful. Even if it's not for the like, purpose of going back and looking at later on, right, if you hit a problem, because that can be debatable. I would do that a lot. Like in my previous career, I do that sometimes now, where I'll like make notes about something. And sometimes I'll go look at things. And sometimes I won't. But like, having your own index of like problems that you solved and things you did to fix that, like, sure, cool, that's super useful. But I do think that even just the process of writing things down in your own words is going to really pay off to just help you remember that information for sure.
1: Yeah, and and some of this is highly individualized, but you kind of just have to know yourself. That goes a very long way. Learning how you learn, knowing yourself, and the overall broad category of that um, is very mm-hmm. important, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it goes very well with another point I have here, which is uh, try to teach others, right? So, like, rewording things, writing things down in your own words is kind of akin to, like, if you were to teach somebody else how to do this, what are the steps you would instruct them to go through, right? One of the best things about that is when you're teaching somebody, either they're going to ask you questions that you don't know the answers to, and you have to go find those things out. Or as you are thinking about how to teach somebody, you will question those things yourself and be like, well, why are we doing things this way? Why is this this the process? And like the questioning aspect of it comes up a lot more easily, which you can do on your own, I guess. But with teaching, it's a lot easier, I think, to get into that process of finding the right ways to explain things to someone else, which might mean taking multiple approaches and multiple, you know, different ways of explaining something. And the more ways you can explain something to somebody the better you understand it for sure.
1: Yeah. And I read a quote that said something along the lines of like, you really understand a topic when you can teach it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I will say, this is not an easy thing to do. In no. fact, I find it pretty difficult um, because you really do have to know exactly what you're what you're talking about. You can't like BS your way through it, right? Like that Mm -hmm. is that is the ultimate test of your understanding of a topic.
0: Yeah, I think I only have one more point on this conversation, which um, might not apply to everybody, depending on what you're trying to do here. But for those folks who are trying to do this professionally, and if you want to get better in the aspect of trying to get a job, emulate the processes that you would go through on the job, right, which means like, Having branches set up for your features, pushing to those branches, doing some kind of code review, um, using tools that might be on the job, which are things like, you know, using Prettier for formatting. So you don't have to worry about consistency in that. Linters, if you're not experienced with that, would be a good thing to get into. Just having some sort of, you know, CICD process. We'll maybe get into more of those in the future, but understanding what those things are and trying to practice with those things on a very small level will expose you to different tools and different ways of working which could just improve your own personal process
1: yeah this was a game changer in uh, my process of learning especially when it came to git and github and creating branches i found it very useful and at first it it felt weird to -hmm. not just push to main every single time and it felt like out of place and it was like oh now i have to do this extra step Um, and it might even seem tedious but it's actually it's very important and to use like kanban boards or um GitHub actually has that feature where you could, you know, track tasks and, and all of these things are, are important. And they took some time for me to get used to doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing. Cause like when you go through tutorials or like bootcamp classes or, or Udemy courses or whatever, nobody's doing that, you know, especially at the, the entry stage, which is fine. Like it makes sense not to do that stuff right away, but at a certain point you really need to, especially if you want to do it professionally, because no one there's there's no team out there that's going to be pushing to main or to development like every single time right you're going to be doing uh creating a branch you're going to have some kind of code review that you have to go through there's going to be tools that help with developer experience and and um maintaining consistency in a code base and like those things you don't necessarily need to have explicit experience with like some of the latter things like linters necessarily uh to get a job you know if if you can really prove your skill set But just the workflow, especially when you're working on a bigger project of like having issues tied to like cards or whatever, right? Like you're talking about with like GitHub and, you know, project management stuff, making branches on those specific issues and doing your development work for that specific task, pushing, merging, all that other stuff. Uh, It's a very good workflow to get into and it keeps you organized. Otherwise, you know, you might just be hopping all over the place in the code that you're writing and things will get very messy. And that's not a good practice for anybody. Any final thoughts, Matt? With uh we we hit everybody with a bunch of stuff. Hopefully this is useful. Um for me, I think one of the big takeaways is having an understanding of the process, right? Which a lot of it just means solving smaller problems for yourself, which is true in coding too, right? Tackle the smaller problems and they build up to the big problem, but identifying not just the fact that you want to get better at code but identifying smaller steps that are going to get you better at code and planning those things out so you can do them appropriately and not overwhelm yourself with with the whole process of it all
1: yeah i guess my final thought would be just knowing how you learn and learning yourself i've i've tried to force myself to learn different ways and you know listen to other people's advice Nowadays, I just don't care anymore what anyone else is doing. i like, I know what I have to do. I have to do this every single time or else it doesn't work. And that's what I'm going to do. And it's going to
0: continue to be that way. And yeah, knowing yourself, important. Awesome. Let's wrap this up as we always do by talking about the Patreon. We are on Patreon. If you like what we do and you want to support us, number one, tell a friend about the show. Uh, If you know somebody that would benefit from a conversation like this one, which I think a lot of folks out there will hopefully benefit from this conversation, let them know. Tell them to check out this episode. If you want to support us financially and help us continue to make episodes like this, you can join us on Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash self-taught devs pod. We've got some goodies for you there every month, including a monthly newsletter, access to a Discord server, and a special monthly episode for our Patreon subscribers. And as a bonus thank you, you get your name read at the end of every episode, just like these fine folks. A big thank you to Scott Lundgren, Nathan Elescas, Stephen Sheaves, Camille Onoda, Leo Ashcraft, Roxy Rodriguez-Becker, Nick Romanishin, Matt Hoadley, Danielle Arnett, Vanessa Vaughn, And Danny McCollins, thank you all so much for supporting the Self-taught Devs podcast.